Bad snap. Bobble oh, scoops oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. Welcome into the Green and White Report, another special Monday edition. We've been doing this for a little bit as it continues to be everything to shut down with Corona. But Ryan Collins, Trent Valley, producer Henry Menegos. How are we doing today, fellas? Dude, I'm doing awesome, except it is a little weird not hearing you say happy hangover. Because I'll tell you what, Collins, I could have used it this morning. I was telling, I was, (laughs) I'm not going to incriminate myself here on the air, but. Well, you're you're 21, you're legal. Well, I know, but I just don't want to act like I'm some belligerent fool. But it, it was it was a fun time. But Hank, how was how was your weekend? Man, I, it was uh, probably the least productive weekend I've had this entire semester, which is not an opportune time to say oh, no. something like that. I'll so. tell you this: the school is piling up. No secret. I've been trying to crank out some stuff, but eh, that's why eh, we're recording. We're recording at 10 p.m. on Sunday. Well, Sunday night football is going on. Had some good NFL done today. Had some good college football yesterday. Trent, Trent said he was going to be low energy today. High energy from Trent. I can already tell. I'm giddy. I'm giddy because Matt Patricia left and the Lions won like right afterwards. I'm also giddy because I don't. life is just good, man. I love Christmas. I feel great. I'm just life checking. Good. I'm just slowly response. checking the Christmas movies off my list. What Every you watch? day, which what, what you've been watching? Well, this weekend I watched Home Alone. I watched Elf. I watched Frosty the Snowman. I watched The Year Without a Santa Claus. I I think is that what's The Year watched... Without Santa Claus? I don't think I've ever watched that one. That's my favorite one. Uh, it's it's one of those old ones with like the puppets. It's like yeah, stop weird take. Thing. Weird take that that's your favorite. Dude, it's my. Would you expect anything less from me, Hank? It it is it is my absolute favorite. It's where like Santa is sick and wants to take Christmas off. And it's got Snow Miser and Heat Miser. You know who that? Like you haven't, you haven't no seen. No idea. Heat, have, Heat Miser is a ten out of ten song. By the way, yeah, I will add that. Yeah, yeah, it's like a musical. It's just one hour. It's great. It's fire, dude. But are I, the are the I, music? Is the music good at least? Because I'm out yes. on puppets in general. Just out. Okay, well that that's understandable. It's a little creepy and unsettling at times, but the music is great. Also, I watched the Good Luck Charlie Christmas movie. I I'm, I'm telling you, I am <laughs> I am like. I'm flooring it at Christmas right now, man. It's great. So life is good. <laughs> I didn't know that existed. I, I'd never even heard of that. It's called Good Luck Charlie. It's Christmas. That's what it's called. Was it on Disney Plus? Yes. Dude, shout, shout out Gabe Duncan. Goat. <laughs> <laughs> shout out the Duncan family from Good Luck Charlie. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh, my so, God. Why would you watch you that? I, I watched it. I just we don't need to talk about me. The fact that you're watching Good Luck Charlie Christmas movies, we might need to talk to you. Dude, it's an insane plot. It's fantastic. The family tries to go on vacation, <laughs> and then Teddy and Mrs. Duncan get separated, and they're like stranded in Vegas without a car. And it's like it's awesome, dude. And I'll, that I'll show is hilarious to me. I don't know why. I think it's so funny. I, I'll tell you, Miss Duncan gets in a lot of shenanigans, a lot of shenanigans. But I, to answer your question, TB, I'm good, living life. That's school, whatever. That's basically it. But, hey, I mean, a lot to talk about today in the Green and White Report. This is a free-flowing episode. We got no planning doubt today. Me, Trent, Hank, we're just having a good time. Seven casual conversation. And, and we would love to have the listeners join, except we're remote. We can, Maybe we can start doing that a little bit more once we get live. Collins, have you ever listened to The Huge Show? No. So, do you, do you know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah, it, it, it's something in mid-Michigan, right? Yeah, three three to six on uh, weekdays. But I was fortunate enough to do a little interview with him over the phone for a journalism 416 project, and he said that, like, he doesn't prep for anything. So we're, really? we're trying it. We're trying it right here. We're just okay. going to let it flow. I guess. Just like the pros do. But whatever. First off, what made you mad this week, TV? Even though you say you're having a great time. I am having a great time. I think what made me mad – is the Christmas movies they put on TV are never like the ones I want to watch. If that mm, makes I, 
Like, well, like dude, how many times is the Santa Claus with Tim? Love Tim Allen, but how many times is that going to be on TV over the next two weeks? Like, yeah. 50? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that's true. It, it gets a little old. I need to spice it up a little bit. I would love to watch some classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You, you want the puppets and they're just not giving them to you. Yeah, I, just, I want the puppets, man. That's what also, I want. I'll say this. Usually, Christmas movies, there's like usually nowhere to like stream them. But like right. Disney Plus has a ton of them now. So may, maybe that's going to be like the go-to place now. But I feel like it's just always Home Alone. Home Alone and Elf are just always on TV. And yeah, I don't hate it, true. and I'll just watch it. I mean, I, I'm not the biggest Elf fan. I love Home Alone. I'll watch Home Alone 1 or 2. Don't recognize the other couple that they yeah. supposedly made. I don't recognize those as Home Alone movies. But I, I, I guess. I mean, the thing about, like, the 25 Days of Christmas, like, if pull, there's, like, very few movies that I'll actually sit down and watch. Like, I like Christmas. I love Christmas music. But when it comes to Christmas movies, like, I'll watch maybe, like, five or six of them. Other than that, I'm done. I can't get like TV. I don't know how you're going through the list. Like I, I, I hate the Polar Express. This is unrelated, and I think you know we already that, talked about it. I that's hate a good that movie. Take. That's a good take, though, because I, I don't hate it, but I, I don't. It gets so much love for no reason. Like, it's so creepy. I, I, yeah, I, can't, I, I was I, talking I, to somebody about this like just earlier. Like, there's like a, a few like really just creepy Christmas movies. That being one of them, and I can't like place the titles of the other ones, but like. What's up with that? I yeah. Don't know. Well, I think a lot of it has to do uh, the animation for that. I think they thought they were too doing much. something. They thought they were going cutting edge there, and it just didn't work. I mean, it's like, no, but it was like too real. Like I was scared. Yeah, the hobo on top of the train. Missed I didn't me like that. that. I, I don't, don't like I don't that one. That. That. I don't, I don't no need one needed that. that. Hank, what made you mad this week? Uh, well, I mean, I kind of already alluded to it, but the fact that we literally have finals in like six days, and I have done nothing. Is just not a. It's not, that's, yeah, that's. It's not a calming feeling. It happens. The stress level. Hey, I. I think I was talking about this maybe on Motown, this week. The the like week and a week half period of school you have between Thanksgiving is brutal. It's it's always stress inducing, and you're always are like I, you're like I gotta figure out if I'm gonna ever get this done. You, like you never know. But I, I I'm kind of there with you. I'm kind of with you there, Hank. Kind of with you there. Am I saying that right? Is that a yeah, proper Yeah, I'm, ca- I'm kind of with you there. I'm kind of with you there. That's I good. I think that works. I think that kind of, I, th- I would like, in my uh, vocabulary, I would say kind of there with you. There you go. That, that's what I was trying to say. All right. I said right. too much. All right. I Listen. think I, I, I just like asked you guys half the like podcasts or shows we do. I'm like, is that something people say? Like just, I well, just yeah, like, every every now and then, Collins will just be like, "Is that a word? Is that the word?" Yeah, like I go galaxy brain, like right there. Look at that. That was unbelievable timing. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. That was Case unbelievable. Yeah, hey, but. in all seriousness, it's fantastic to come do the show with you guys. Get <laughs> you away for so, an hour. I haven't even done. I haven't oh, even oh, done. Oh, like, well, I, I was just, I was just saying. It is brutal right now with school, but this is we get to come release for a little bit. It's fun. Trent's so happy. He's just, he can't, he can't. Great mood. <laughs> Great mood for TV today. Uh, what made me mad? I don't know. School. I, I, I hate to be boring, but school like this time of year is brutal. You Any class have, in particular? No, not really. I mean, just school. I, I know what made me mad? So what's it called? I've had like a couple of internships like canceled, like no big deal. No one cares about that stuff. Everyone's had stuff like that happen. But for like the journalism school, you need one for like credit. Yeah. And if anyone knows like a journalism, like internship, like they're usually pretty straightforward and not like the most work, but I, to compensate for not doing a work in field study or whatever it's called, you have to take like a three credit class where it is kind of a lot of work or you have to report on some oh. other stuff. Which so you're mad at you're mad at the system for kind of a little bit. That's yeah. basically it. And I have to spend like more a lot, like probably another grand, and I didn't think I was gonna have to spend. But thank you, mom and dad, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. That was a lot of non-sports talk. Let's get back to the sports talk. Michigan State football will start there. Get shellacked by Ohio State, 52-10. Wait, 52-12, excuse me. Yes. We got that safety. I forgot about that. Michigan State got a safety. At the when that happened, league. when that happened, I, I was watching with my roommate, George. I just looked at him. And I, they, they were playing our fight song, right? Because it's a yes. home game. 
they're playing the Michigan State fight song after the safety happens, and you're down 40 with two minutes. And I, I look at George, and I'm like, dude, this is just like, why, why even play the fight song? Why are we celebrating a bad snap from Ohio State that's going to make the score look a little closer, even though you just got taken to the shed? I mean, yeah. Hey, I, I don't hate it. I was I'll not happy. I'll celebrate that safety. Why not? Points on the board. Yes, but they also had like a million bad snaps that day, so I can't put any I can't put any stock in it. Also, that was un- that was unbelievable. Ohio State's like center situation. Shout out to yeah. them. I mean, what's the I think they had three new starters on the offensive line. Didn't matter. I believe Ohio State rushed for over three hundred yards on the ground. Just Sounds dominant great. up front. Uh, first off, I like. I, I think the big thing we're going to talk about is Rocky Lombardi and Peyton Thorne, because I think that's the storyline coming out of this game, obviously, for the Michigan State fan. I mean, Ohio State's best team in the Big Ten. I think everyone kind of coming into the season expected, like, hey, MSU's to play Ohio State, they're going to lose by 40, and they lost by 40. It's basically what, like, literally, that's what happened. And maybe the result last week might have, like, enticed some people to think maybe they could play. But as soon as they started Rocky Lombardi, it, you knew it was over. And, and no offense to Rocky Lombardi, but, I mean, the offense just doesn't consistently move when he's at the helm. And he, he's had some clutch games and, and made some big plays. It's just at a consistent rate, it's not going to work. And especially against elite-level talent like Ohio State, you have to be able to consistently and accurately throw the ball downfield and to the checkdowns, and Rocky can't do that. So, I, I, like, MSU's defense did get gashed. Like they did, but like that early part portion of the game, like they made some plays, like, like they played hard. Yeah. They got pressure on fields. And I know it's against maybe like a third string Ohio state offensive line, but like, it's kind of hard for the defense just to continue going out there when Michigan state's offense is on a field for four plays. Yeah. Defensively. I think, yes, they, they did get a little torched, but you're exactly right. Collins. They're playing all day because they can't stop the run. And it's just, they're, they're just out there all day getting gashed. And also, I mean, you're playing Justin Fields. So you kind of expect that. I mean, he, he's no joke, right? Like yes. he's going to be the second pick in the draft, probably depending on who has that pick. But it's, it's just, it's a matter of, we knew this was going to happen. You just kind of, you know, Michigan State fans were kind of hoping that you'd push him a little bit just because, you know, Coming into the year with a clean slate, you look at the Ohio State game and you're like, there that that is the one game that Michigan State has no chance of playing. Like, yes. like oh, like it's just not going to happen. Ohio State's an SEC school playing in the Big Ten. Like the the, the the talent differential is outrageous. And our Impact's own Sutton McGee wrote a great column about that. So everyone go check that out if you'd like to on the website. Um, but it's just it, it was so apparent all day long. And Collins about about Rocky Lombardi, you're exactly right about everything. I mean, he his skill set is very limited. It's like trying to I can't He's even come not up a quarterback. With, I like, can't yeah. even come up with a good analogy. Like the, they're they're trying to put a Ford F one fifty engine in like a, in like a in in a, in, a, in a golf cart or something. I don't know. It's like what what are we doing here? It, it, you're, you're not using him the right way. Very first play of the game, they try to do like a read option, and he just like looks the wrong way or something and it's like well we can't even do that with you then like you're supposed to be able to use his legs a little bit that and, and that we talked about that last week and and praise of michigan state's coaching staff and right. praise of rocky lombardi them kind of getting him going on the ground because that's like the only way this is going to work if he's in play the quarterback position because the fact of the matter is he's he's a very good deep ball thrower which is surprising for a guy who's yeah. this inaccurate from like short yardage throws he just he, he doesn't – he's not an accurate passer. It's as simple no. as that. He seems to be a person who is a big-time leader in that locker room. That's why I think yeah. Mel Tucker is giving him plenty of opportunities. Especially he's in kind, that first year. You yes. Know? Like, you can't come in and just completely rewrite everything. It's not even that. I think it's just like a type of, like, culture thing. He's just rewarding guys that he, he sees maybe as leadership role. But Payne Thorne comes in and, and looks immediately – he just looks like a quarterback and and, and, uh, we kind of touched on this a couple weeks ago after the Indiana game, but not the beat a dead horse, but he actually has pocket presence. He actually like when he uses his legs, like he's able to pick up a first down. He's able to look downfield while he's scrambling. His footwork is just a lot better. 
Like, Roddy Lombardi is a good athlete trying to play quarterback. You're very right about that. I mean, when you said all you really have to say is he Peyton Thorne just looks like he's just so much more comfortable. Yeah, it's just it's different. It's like Rocky Lombardi, and this I know is a horrible analogy. He's like a much worse version of Denar Robinson. Like he's just an athlete. He's an athlete out there. He's playing quarterback because he has his whole life and he's a good leader. And and you just kind of this is another thing that I want to watch, especially going into into next season. Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor are not getting used correctly at all. And it, it, no. it, it frustrates me as a fan of this team because those are two guys that absolutely can go get you a deep ball. And Rocky Lombardi can get it there. You just mentioned it's it's crazy the discrepancy between his short yardage passes and his his laser accurate deep balls. Like it doesn't make any sense, but it's there. It's a thing. And the fact that Theo Day and Jaden Reed are just con- – or not Theo Day, where did that come from? Peyton. I don't know where that came from. Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor. There. there you go. They, they, slow down a sec. So the fact that these guys are just running to the sticks every time and just turning around on curls or some crazy – like I, I just would like to see the offense get a little bit more electric, a little more creative, even over these next two games and then going into next season. Because whoever does step up and fill the next quarterback role, they're going to need that. You can't use the handcuffed playbook that you have with Rocky Lombardi. It won't win in the Big Ten. And, and the one thing I – and I think we've all talked about, you just want to see what's going what's going to happen next year. Because the fact of the matter, Michigan State's basically accomplished all they basically wanted to accomplish this yeah. year. And no one expected them to beat Ohio State. I think that's what everyone needs yeah, to remember. Yeah. They had no, no like, shot. From the beginning, and we all knew that, but you just wanted to see a little bit better football on Saturday. And, and I'm not going to judge any coordinator, or no, I'll say this: I think Scotty Hazelton, the defensive coordinator, they've done a very good job on the defensive side of the football with the the limited the limited talent they have in the secondary right now. I think they've adjusted to how they really want to play when they get the type of guys they want. And they've been able to scrape it together. And you got to try to Antoine Simmons, too, because he's basically been the racer on that defensive side of the yeah. football. But on the offensive side, I mean, I'm not going to criticize Jay Johnson, but no, it hasn't looked good. Some of the play calls are precarious. I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to call for a guy's job because it's year one with a bunch of players they didn't recruit. Like, I think that's the one thing that's different in college football. And it's clear that this offensive line is just not good. Uh, it just consistently yeah. has struggled and, and it's going to take time to like build like an offensive line and actually consistently run the football. And I get, I mean, that's what Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson want to do, but I, I, I under, they just, it's stubborn play calling a lot of the times. And, and the one thing that I, I think you can question Tucker and Jay Johnson is, is why Payne Thorne has not been in the game earlier than he has the last couple of, like he is clearly better than Rocky Lombardi. He clearly is better. Like I, 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 unless Peyton Thorns is throwing ducks in practice, he, he must stink in practice. If there's ever an evaluation that Rocky Lombardi is a better quarterback than them, because when you watch that watch in game, it's just not even close. And I'm not trying to like disparage Rocky Lombardi. I'm, Peyton Thorne is just better. He's a quarterback. Yeah, it's just telling it how it is. And I think and, and know, that's I, on Jay I, Johnson, and Mel Tucker. You can you can yeah. criticize maybe their talent evaluation because. And I think Connor Hayward's been pretty decent this year. Yeah. Elijah Collins should still be getting carries. Yep. And, 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 and I think you see it against an Ohio State. Yeah, like Connor Hayward might be able to, like, have, not, have a really nice game against Northwestern when they don't have the speed. And, and Mel Tucker talked about it earlier in the week. We recruit for Ohio State. They're the measuring stick. Like, duh. Yeah, definitely. How about you play guys who, are, who could possibly meet that measuring stick eventually? And that, that that's the one criticism for Tucker Johnson and may, you maybe Hazelton that you can make that some of these younger guys are not getting as much of a look as you want to in a quarantine year that basically doesn't have it's always going to have an asterisk. It's not like, like why is Julian Barnett not getting more playing time? Like well, why why is that not happening? That is my one criticism. What's going on in year one with Mel Tucker? But other than that, you've beat your rival, being a top ten team. Like you've given your recruits and your young guys. Uh, like a sense of like, this is what our culture is going to be going forward. Like it's not, it hasn't been a disaster. I think it's been a success in year one, honestly, for Mel Tucker. But if you want to criticize him, you criticize him for that. And to expand on that criticism, unless your name is Matt Patricia, I am not going to criticize any coach at the college or NFL level for making these decisions in house 
because we clearly don't know the full story here. And we don't know what a lot of the things going on at practice and behind the scenes. But to say that, I, I, I want to bring this up. I don't know what's going on at practice because I, I, I'm just saying, like, Payne Thorne is so much better. Yes. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's just so much better. I want, I'm, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. And, Hank, I want you to jump back in, too. I, I don't understand, if you are Mel Tucker, how you have the you, – you, you have the confidence to, to make a move like, like pull Elijah Collins out and put him on the bench and put Connor Hayward in there. Collins, you're exactly right. Hayward has by no means been a problem this season. But yeah, Elijah he's Collins, been pretty decent, actually. Like, I'm not, I, yeah. like, I thought he's been a pretty solid piece for them. But nonetheless, Elijah Collins should still be your bell cow, and he's not. So if you're willing to make that decision, why can't you make the decision to put in the better – and don't get me wrong, like Elijah Collins proved stuff last year. Rocky Lombardi didn't. And I think I want to – and just from a football standpoint, I want to take the intangibles and set them aside for a second because I know Rocky's big thing is his leadership. I'm not undermining its importance. I know it's very important on the football field. But I'm just saying X's and O's, Collins, you nailed it. It has to be Thorn. Like, like this This just – it. Rocky Lombardi – and I really think it will be over these next two days – next two games, excuse me. I know I've said all season, as we all have, like we're waiting for that moment where Rocky gets benched and it actually happens. But for me, it's like, if you're Mel Tucker, you're, you have to look forward to next year, dude. Like, at some point, you've got to try to build some year-to-year continuity here. I understand it's year one, and I understand there's an asterisk, and I understand everything that you inherited wasn't all that great, thanks to Mark D'Antonio. We love him, but he didn't exactly go about that situation in a great way. So Mel Tucker is up against the wall a little bit here, and, and not, not in the means of like his job, his job is absolutely safe. It's been, you know, three fourths of a season and he has, you're right, Collins, he's beat the rival and all that good stuff, but it's just like, it's a head scratcher sometimes. I don't know how you can't, it, it seems like a double standard to me to be able to take Elijah Collins, put him on the bench, but then still leave Rocky Lombardi in there who hasn't proven a whole lot. Whereas Collins, you know, was actually fantastic a season ago. And, and a lot of that has to do with the regime shift and everything. I totally get it. But I think going forward, in order to build some of this year-to-year continuity, you've got to get your other quarterback in there because Rocky Lombardi clearly ain't the guy. And, again, no one is criticizing him for that aspect of it. Like, we know that the, the quarterback situation in East Lansing is not really great no matter how you slice it. But I just don't yeah. understand – I just I don't understand the double standard. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And guess what? Rocky Lombardi's gonna be fine. Like he, he really is. Like if you want if he wants to change positions next year, like I, I, I honestly think he could be a pretty productive tight end. We already got a punter who's playing tight end right now, who's Tyler Hunt, who's like somewhat productive. Like, why not throw Rocky there? He's a, that type of athlete. But I mean, I don't know, he's just not a quarterback. He's always going to have beating Michigan and Northwestern. So I'll give him credit for that. Like, I mean, he's a very tough person, it seems like. Super, and always, always seems super nice and genuine. He's just not the guy. You got to play Thorne and maybe even play Day in the next two games. Try it. Yeah, you need to figure it out because, like, Thorne, he made some nice plays, really made a couple really nice plays with his legs. But, like, arm strength and accuracy wasn't generally there. Like they were all like they were down like thirty when he came in the game. So like the, Ohio State was giving him every shutdown. So it, it's it's hard for me to be like, oh, he went 11 11 to start. Yeah, well, Rocky was in there. He probably completes eight of eleven there. Yeah. It, 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 it's, but I, I you just can't go with Rocky anymore. I, I I don't know what his injury is. I hope he's doing all right. But you just got to see because if these guys aren't the guys, you got to go on recruiting. You got Hampton Fry coming in. But if not, you got to go on the transfer portal. Or you got to give Noah Kim a look. You, you just got to do a lot of things. And, and, and that's the one criticism I've had with the staff this year. It's just I, I, I don't understand some of the playing time sort of things. It's not getting the young guys in the mix enough. And also just stubbornness, especially with the play calling. Short yardage play calling this year has been a problem the whole time. Third and two, fourth and two is always some sort of inside zone with Connor Hayward. That's never going to work. It's just never going to work. But – it's too vanilla. Yeah, but that's Michigan State football, two and four, playing Penn State next weekend at 3.30. We'll talk about that. Uh, I think they actually could win next weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Penn State's won their last two games, but I don't know. Be a good challenge for this team, and, and hopefully you see a little bit more of the future in Happy Valley next week. But let's move into Michigan State basketball, a team that I'm very excited to talk with you, Trent, who is a beat reporter for the team. 
I mean, first of all, they start the week on Tuesday, go up to Cameron Indoor and get a fantastic win. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, and, and then on what was that Friday? Did they play UD? Or was that yep. Thursday? Friday. Friday they played UD. Sleepwalked the whole game. Eventually, get, kind of get fortunate with some bids. Didn't even foul trouble for UD. Gabe Brown hit some clutch shots. Rocket Watts is really good in the second half. And then tonight against Western, Joey Hauser goes nuts in the second half, hitting like six or seven threes. I think. Yep. It kind of exploding after struggling shooting from the field. I wanted to start with Duke before we kind of get into just like the big mainframe of this team. I I was genuinely impressed with that win at Duke. And I, I don't think this is a vintage Duke team. You could see by the shooting, they're just, they just don't have the good guard play that you need to be an elite college basketball team. Like that Jalen Johnson kid's a stud. Yeah. And he, he's probably going to be really good in the pro level. But like, if you got no one to get him the ball, you got no veteran like leadership on that. Like in those guard positions, you're in a struggle. Goldwire, I don't think is that guy. I don't think Baker's that guy. So I, I always saw Michigan State was coming into an advantage playing Duke this year uh, on any floor. Doesn't matter if it's the Breslin, doesn't matter if it was at Baker's like Fieldhouse, doesn't matter if it was at Cameron Indoor. I always thought they had an advantage. The thing that impressed me is I didn't think Michigan State played good against Duke and they were up 15 late in that second half. Yep. Well, if there is one concern on the young season, it's the fact that the Spartans haven't really done a good job slamming the door. Um, you saw, you know, they were up big on Notre Dame and kind of, they only won by 10 in that one. And then up big on Duke, you know, kind of get, turn the ball over, get a little sloppy in the last two minutes and it ends up looking a lot closer than it was. And then obviously you bring up U of D, but just to talk about the Duke game specifically, Collins, you're exactly right. I think I don't want to oversell the win because I don't think Duke's going to end up being that great this year and for all the reasons you laid out but I think they came into the game wildly overrated like they beat a mid-major by 10 points and were the sixth team in the country like I just don't see they were a little overrated definitely AP top 25 no doubt but yes you're, you're exactly right the Spartans were just better and I think the only reason the Spartans weren't in the top 10 to start the season is because they lost so much in Cassius and Xavier Tillman I, I forget what the point total is that you know, the, what those guys averaged combined, it was like 38 or something yeah. crazy. Like you, you're losing a lot of production in your starting lineup. But these, these, this, this hot start as the Spartans are now 5-0 and is such a testament to two things. It's Tom Izzo's coaching, but we know that every year we come in and expect that. And also the, the, the bigger thing that I'm keeping an eye on, it's the depth, man. I mean, this, this yeah, team really has – deep. This, specifically in the front court. I mean, this team has – five, six guys who can legitimately vie for playing time. So, I mean, it's like, and, and also I want to say this, this is just off the top of my head as I'm talking here and I realize this, I think we've, in, in the five games, we've had three different players set new career highs. Uh, Rocket, Rocket Watts against U of D with 23 points, Joey Hauser on Sunday night against Western with 24 points and Foster Lawyer to open the season against Eastern Michigan with 20. Like, if that doesn't scream depth to you, I don't know what does. And this team is just gelling really early, which, and it is early. So I want, to, I want everyone to keep that in mind, but the Duke win. Yes, it was fantastic. It was fantastic for Izzo, which is crazy to think that people still needed to see more out of him. Like Izzo actually had something to prove he didn't, but well, to beat Duke on the road, even though there's no Cameron crazies, I don't care. There's not, there wasn't going to be an Izzo anyways, yeah. you know, there wasn't going to be. Well, an it was supposed either. to be a neutral site game. So, yeah. I, I, I understand what they're saying. It, it did it did take the juice out. Let's be honest. Like college yeah, basketball sure. by far. And I don't know why it is. And, and I guess the NBA just had way higher production value. But like college basketball has definitely been the one, the biggest one lacking. It just doesn't feel the same. And I think we're going to see that once we get into conference play a little bit more. Like these Thanksgiving Day like tournaments, there's usually not that many people there and stuff. So like I can deal with that. But when I see the Breslin with no people, it is kind of like appalling and kind of like, uh, this is the, it doesn't really have the same juice, but I, I, I the thing I'm going to say is I think people underestimate coming in this season how good Joey Hauser was, yep. and I, I kind of been harping on that. Like I thought he was going to be their best player right off the bat. I think he's going to turn into their best player right now. I think Aaron Henry is their best player, and someone I've gotten on and me and you said, hey, he's not all Big Ten. I don't know why he's all Big Ten preseason. I don't. I, I didn't get it. Guess what? He might be the best defender in the country. Yeah. Yep, he is. He, he, he is locked down. He can guard one through five and lock. And, and this is the second year Michigan State's kind of had a weapon like this 
where he could maybe take out maybe one of your best players, like just completely out of the game or completely out of his funk. And, not, yeah, and, well, and, and, and the one thing I'm going to give him credit for is effort and just energy on a consistent basis so far for Henry has been fantastic. And that was always his biggest question, especially his sophomore year. He drifted a lot, especially in the mid part of the last year. And one thing I'll give him credit for, the shots aren't falling. He's not afraid to shoot them. Like, I'll live with that. Like, you just – and we talked about that last week. He needs to consistently he – he needs to consistently make threes, obviously, if he wants to play the next level. But, like, for Michigan State, he just needs to continue shooting those. Because, like, it's this creature of habit. You're going to go out there and contest it every single time. And he's had great ability around the rim. I always say – I always tweet out that he's right-handed because he's so good with his right hand kind of forget that he's left-handed when he gets to the rim. But, like, I, I, I've really been impressed how Aaron Henry has played so far. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and it's on both ends, like you said. And I think it was the first game against Eastern Michigan. He only had eight points, but he's dishing the ball. He had, like, seven assists in that game or something. Yes. He just is, like, the all-around player that this Michigan State team needed to step up. Because last year you lose Cassius Winston, the best scorer in the Big Ten, and then you lose Xavier Tillman, who won Big Ten – defensive player of the year but Collins you're exactly right like Tillman Tillman's defense it was a different vibe he can't guard anybody on the other team right like yeah he locked up Garza and stuff like that and that was fantastic and that's why he eventually you know won the award as he should have but he can only guard you know three through five Aaron Henry can guard one through five and he is athletic as hell and he does it with his athleticism not his size and it's his dedication on both ends of the floor that's going to make him an NBA player after the end of the season I truly believe that and I truly believe him coming back was the right decision. And you said something very intriguing about his offense, just, you know, him shooting the ball and stuff like that. That's why it can be so fun to watch Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts on the court together because they, they, they both kind of have that streaky sense to them on the scoring side of the ball where it's like if the shots are falling, they're just rolling and they kind of feed off each other. And we're only five games in and I can't wait to watch the rest of it. But the Spartans look fantastic. And I really want to emphasize that because – Yes, I know that every team has this honeymoon phase at the beginning of the season, especially coming off a year like last year where the Spartans really gelled and kind of ran the table at the end to get a share of the Big Ten title. But, you know, for this team to come in here, we also know that Tom Izzo doesn't schedule cupcakes in his non-conference games. You know, so that Duke win, yeah, that is a very impressive win. This Virginia game this week will be a very impressive win should they get it. So it's it's just – it has to be encouraging, and if you're a fan of the green and white, you are fired up, as you should be, because this team looks great. Well, I want to I, I want to say one thing. I think this seems to have problem problems against pressure defenses. I really do. And, and guard play has always been a question for this Michigan State team coming into this season. And Rocker Watts has been really, really good. Really, really good. And I, I've I've been a big proponent of he's not a point guard. It's just not a – don't play yeah. in a point guard. And I think at, at, during a lot of times during that Duke game, I was proven right. But the, during that UD and Western today, like I could see it. And, and I get those are lesser opponents. But Roger Watts is I, – I made the comparison to J.R. Smith because he is just so – he's either a really bad turnover or he's just making an unbelievable – just a spectacular – he's just yeah. so – you get so many highs and lows with him. I've always said Westbrook, same same kind yeah, of deal. Like yeah. I've always just said Westbrook for him. And, and, and I, I'm gonna be honest. I, I said this on Tuesday, and I still believe. It. I think the best lineup for Michigan State this year is Foster at the one, Rocket at the two, Hall at the three, Hauser at the four, and Bingham at the five. That I've always thought that's their best five. No Langford. I, I think you have Langford come off the bench and Hall come off the bench, and you give them major minutes. And, and that's another guy I want to talk. I think you about. meant to say Henry. You didn't say Henry. Yeah, I did. No, I said Henry. Henry is the three. I said Henry. So Hall is starting for you. I said Henry. Yeah, but you said you also said Hall is starting. I said you have Hall play starter minutes. Well, give us your starting five again. All right. Foster, Rocket, Henry, Hauser. <laughs> Hauser. I think you, I think you might have said like you might have said Hall is Hauser or something. Whatever. But we got it. Well, I'll say this. I'll. The one thing about the Duke game, you had Julius Marble and Malik Hall come off the bench and made major contributions. If Malik Hall is not forgotten in the next two years, he could possibly win all Big Ten. I mean, like being all Big Ten caliber player and maybe win the Big Ten player of the year. And uh, people might say that's an exaggeration. Watching Michigan State basketball for as long as I've watched and watching 
just Big Ten basketball as long as I want. He just has such a good feel for the game. And, and it's just like the perfect college basketball player. Like he can play the three, the four, the five. He, he's physical. He's had a decent shot. Like he, I think he can improve his three-point game a little bit. And, and he can really take you off the bounce. So I, I wanted to make that point. But I, getting back to what we were talking about in the lineup, I think Rocket can play the one. But I like – I don't think you're going to be able to get away with having Foster just play 10 minutes a game. And his, his minutes have been a little bit higher than that consistently. I think he's usually playing around like 20 minutes a game. I, I think that's the formula. And, and, and you can play Rocket 35 minutes a game, but I, you're going to have to take the pressure and you're going to have to make an opportunity for him to get shots. Because and, and Rocket is not like a guy like Langford who needs someone else to create his shot. Like Rocket can go get his own. But, like, the pressure just up and down the court, guarding the one, just dribbling, trying to get other people involved. I don't think Rocket is good at getting other people involved, like, necessarily. Because he can just get his own whatever he wants. And I understand that. But, like, I think Foster, you get to your players and your other role players going a little bit more. That's why I think you need to give him more minutes than you might necessarily think. That, that's a very fair assessment of Racket Watts because you also have to remember like Foster Lawyer needs to be there in the closing time because he's your best free throw shooter and he's your best shooter, period. I know you're, you might not get the shot you want, but it, you could always draw something up and just have him wait, you know, and if the shot comes, he's probably going to knock it down. Like he's done it his whole life. So I, I, I just, Collins, my, my lineup would be a little different from yours and that I, I would, I would want Josh Langford on the court. So I think logically the thing to do is to put Foster on the bench, but still have him play a good amount of minutes and have rocket start at the quasi point guard. And then you just have Henry handle most of the, you know, take it up the floor most of the time. But like you said, I, I just don't really know if that's going to happen. Like I think it, and also I want to, I want to harp on the front court depth for a second. Cause I know we mentioned that and Collins, this is something that you and I talked about going into this year it was like way back in the spring and it, it was something you kind of called way back then. You're like, I'm, I'm surprised no one has transferred yet. Like of the, of the front court guys, because with Hauser coming in and we didn't even know until what was it April that Tillman was actually going to leave too. I mean, it was, yeah. it was like, I mean, you, it's pick your poison at the four and the five it's Hauser Kithier who we haven't mentioned, who's been pretty good this year, aside from the foul trouble against Duke. And, and then it's, you know, Marble, who really showed up. He, he had a career high points, too. There's been four games he where guys have had minutes. career highs. Yeah, he it, needs it, more minutes. So it's it's just pick your poison there, and you're exactly right about Hall, and he hasn't even been starting. But he is fantastic, and he is going to be like an all-Big Ten player, I think. I think he, I think he could. The thing, about, the thing about Hall, though, is Michigan State obviously has a lot of high-caliber recruits coming in, so you don't really know how he fits in with that shuffle. And, like, that's, like, kind of the risk you run when you get into the five-star game, which, hey, it is what it is. I'm just saying, if Michigan State doesn't forget about Hall and makes him a main priority in the next couple of years, I think he could be a big, big-time player for Michigan State. And, and, and let's kind of get into the UD game because they kind of laid an end there and, yeah. and almost lost to the Titans. I mean, Antonio Davis Jr., good player. Like uh, he, he can go get 30 whenever. He can get his own shot. And UD actually, actually had some good wings that are surprised. Like, this is not – a UDM has struggled the past like three years, just talent wise, but Mike Davis is a good coach. So they, they came out well-prepared and they gave the Spartans a good test, but I'll, I'll just say that like the one criticism against Foster, like he shouldn't have been playing in that game. That's a, he, he was terrible against UDM. And, and, and I just like, and, and Gabe Brown, everyone, I mean, Gabe Brown played really good down the stretch. The one thing I got to say about Gabe Brown, he doesn't show up against good teams. And I think there's a bigger, a big enough sample size to just see that he just – his basketball IQ is just – it's not the best. It's just like he's a good shooter. I think he has a role on this team. But I think people are crazy if you think he's anything other than your seventh or eighth man in this rotation this year. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. It's And that also, I guess, is kind of the – the one positive of that it is such an early season granted the Spartans are five and oh but you definitely have a couple areas to improve upon and that's what you kind of got to do over these next few non-conference games before you get into 
the Big Ten schedule. By the way, the fact that Michigan State plays at 1230 on Christmas Day is brutal for everyone involved. I'm talking like the players, the coaches, the media, the, the, the TV Why, guys. are you covering the game? I, I might, I don't know. But it's just like, why why Christmas Day? I don't need to see any college basketball on Christmas Day. It's college. These guys are kids. They don't need to be playing on Christmas Day. They should be having a good time with their families and their friends and that kind of – they're not professionals. They're not getting paid to do this. They're playing on Christmas Day. That well, made me mad this week. That's what I should have said, even though the schedule's been out forever. But it just – looking ahead to that, I, I don't get it at all. Well, I think it's just because these kids are not going to be able to get to go home until probably the season's over with all the testing and all the things that they're That's a very good point. I didn't even through. think about that. Yeah. So they're just like, we might as well play on Christmas. Like, it kinda, I, I, maybe that's like the reason why. But I mean, looking at this team, I mean, bit pitcher, we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We don't really know what the ceiling is on this team. I still don't really know. I, I, I think you see a lot of potential and, and, and I mean, you can't play 10 guys and be a Final Four National Championship caliber team. That's just not how it works. Like, this rotation's going to have to, like, cut down a little bit. And I think Izzo has hinted at that. Like, he, he's just waiting for the guys to yeah. decipher themselves. Well, so also, I, just real, real quick, just to elaborate on that, I mean, it's kind of like that's the beauty of playing 10 guys in the non-conference schedule because you're at least priming them up for if – this is where the depth can save you. Like, I know you guys, you guys probably remember two seasons ago – playing Ohio state on the, in the big 10 tournament, foster lawyer comes in, wasn't really played much at all his freshman year. And he just clips like three threes in a row or whatever it was. It's things like that. Like that's where the depth can bail you out. You get in a tight spot in the, in the round of 32 or the sweet 16 or something against the team you should probably beat. And like, say, you know, Joey Hauser isn't playing very well. All right, Julius come off the bench. Like it's time to roll. Like it's that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're exactly right, Collins. The, the rotation is going to cut down to probably about eight players as opposed to 10, 11. But it's like uh, A.J. Hogard is another guy, too. Like, yeah, I know he's a freshman. Is it Hoggard or Hogard? Uh, the PA guy says Hogard, so I'm trusting that. Okay. In the stadium. But anywho, it's like he's another guy who's like, okay, yeah, Rocket, not his night. Rocket's three for 16 from the floor. A.J., go give us a few minutes. It's stuff like that that I just think, yes, Tom Izzo will work out the kinks in the armor here as far as the rotation goes. But that is why the depth is so important. And, Collins, I guess I want to real quick answer your question, and then I'll kick it back to you because I cut you off. But the ceiling for me is a national championship. I, I don't think, think there's any so? That's the ceiling, yes, because I look at the college – I look at the national landscape of college basketball right now. I don't trust Gonzaga. So it's Gonzaga. I do. And I know they're good they're every good. year. They're good every they're, year. And I know This is a different Gonzaga team, Trent. They're good. I know Mark Few is due for one, too. Like, he deserves one. And I would be so happy for him if he were to get there so long and not be against our Spartans. But, like, I just I, – I can't – how can I completely jump in headfirst on Gonzaga? I can't, given what we've seen over the, the past few years. Yes, they're always good, and they're always going to be right there. And they very well could win it. In fact, I, they're probably the favorite right now. No? I, I – it's just, yeah, they're no, there's I think they are, and I think they maybe one of the deepest college basketball teams I've seen in a really long time. And I'm not gonna like compare them to Kentucky, who yeah. almost went undefeated, but like they're just so deep, they can score in so many different ways. They're the best offensive team I've seen college basketball in a long time. But well, also, uh, I just I do you trust Baylor, you know? Do you trust Illinois? Yeah, no, no, I know what you're saying, I know what you're saying. It's not traditional blue bloods this year, but I, I, I don't think it's like last year where I thought college basketball last year was just kind of down. Like yeah. a lot of teams, I just, I didn't think they were that good. I just think this year it's just not traditional blue bloods. And, and John Sager at this point, it basically is a blue blood or at least a mid mid major blue blood. I don't know how you want to categorize that. Categories, yeah. yeah. But what's that called? But like Baylor, I, I if you watch Baylor against Illinois, they look legit. Like Nova, Nova's yeah. going to be a problem. Illinois, they didn't look that great against Baylor in the second half. I think they'll be fine. They just got to figure out how they play Kofi Coburn and Georgie Fonashili, whatever is how you say his last name, and crunch time. So I, I get what you're saying. I, I Michigan State national title, like I, I'm not saying – I don't think they look better than Gonzaga. I don't think they look better than Baylor. But you're probably right. They're probably in the four, the six, the seven range of the best teams in the country so far. It's very early. A lot can happen. And, and, and I like the point you made about this team being so deep. I, I, this is one of the – like, there's been a few mi really good Michigan State teams, including the Final Four team when they went to Minneapolis. 
that there was times where it's like, uh, there's some lineups out here that they could go on a completely just like, like this could go off the rails. Like Cassius is in foul trouble. Goins is in foul trouble. Like they're, we're in major problems, like major issues are coming. But this, I, they throw out anyone on the floor that plays, like actually gets minutes. Like, I don't think they're going to kill them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, 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 I, there's not a lot of liability. Like you can say Foster on a defensive end and, and maybe Suzuka on the offensive end. But other than that, like both sides of the floor, like you're not getting crushed on either side. But I, I, lastly, this team's going to go with Rocket Watts. And I, I, I think Joey Hauser is their best player personally. Well, he brings you on both sides of the floor. But Rocket Watts is just the X factor. And I, I think that's been exemplified even more as the season has started. Just because you just are able to witness all the creativity that he has on the offensive side of the floor and getting his own shot. It's, it, it, he is the best half-court like combo or point guard I've personally seen in the time of Zoera. Like a lot of Michigan State, Michigan State's had a lot of great point guards. And Cassius Winston was the best pick and roll point guard I saw at Michigan State. But saying like one on one, head to head, like get your own bucket. Uh, like Roger Watts is the best I've seen since Kalen Lucas. And Kalen Lucas wasn't necessarily a half court offense every guy. He was great in transition and just downhill and used all that speed. Roger Watts has had a good mid range jumper. He's a little inconsistent for three, but he can get it whenever he wants. And he gets to the lane a lot. And if he starts taking the basket more aggressively and a little bit stronger, like that's just to open up his game to a whole nother level. So I, I, I just think the team goes as rocket goes. And, and, and I was a big proponent that you needed to start Foster. I'm starting to dwindle on that. I think Foster needs major minutes, but I, I like, if you want to give rocket 35 minutes, don't mind me because he's great on the defensive side of the ball and on the offensive ball. He, like you said, he's a like J.R. Smith. You never know what's going to happen. But he is just so wildly talented that I think this team just goes with him. I think he learned a lot from playing behind Cassius Winston. And I know that sounds really cliche and it sounds like, you know, basketball talk, like just coach speak. But I actually think that had a big effect on him last season. And not, not necessarily in his style of play, just the attitude. And I definitely think you're, you're, you're right in that he's the biggest X factor on this team. Maybe coming into the year, I might have said Aaron Henry. But now that we've seen a couple, you know, we've seen the first two weeks of the season play out, Aaron Henry looks ready every single night. And like, whether it's, whether he's passing a little bit more, being a little more passive and, you know, keep racking up the assist numbers, or he's, you know, putting up 20 against a good Duke team. Like it's, he's, he is locked in, he's ready to roll. And with Rocket, I guess you still have a little bit more reservation about like, where's his head at sometimes. And, you know, how confident is he? And is he healthy? That's another thing. But you know, it's those two, and a, and a guy we haven't talked about a whole lot is is Josh Langford. I and I, I won't talk about it a ton, but he he definitely has a little more ground to make up, and he knows that. But Tom Izzo said he's 100, and he's going to push him because he knows that you know that's something that Langford can handle on the defensive end. I think is where you're really going to you know see Langford's importance really shine through towards the end of the end of the season as you get into March. Like he he's he was the best defender that the Spartans had three years ago and when that those teams with miles bridges yeah. four years ago with miles bridges i mean except jaron jackson obviously he was insane yeah that's different yeah. End, but he was a one and done player you know like langford was your best perimeter defender all those seasons so that's another player for me that like if you if you got to keep your eye on him and he didn't play the ud game but you know he's he could i know what you're saying like I'll, the I'll team is just so deep it's very deep and i and touching on langford i just don't think I think you saw, like, he's just not as athletic as he was before. And that's something we all expected. Right. Yeah, he has, he's a major role player on this team. I think he's, uh, he's almost a knockdown shooter. Like, he, it's apparent that he's going to be one of their better three-point shooters this year. So, he definitely has a role. He's just not, like, he could get his own two years yeah. ago. Like, easy. And on a defense, He had the best mid-range jumper on the team two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and defensively, I, I – I'm questioning if he's going to be able to get back to that point that he was three years ago. And that's unfair for us to expect that. Let's right. be real. No, no, it is. But that's why I bring it up. I mean, that, that's one more X factor to keep your eye on. Cause if he does get back to that level, watch out, you're throwing out, you're throwing out a lineup with him, Aaron Henry and Hauser. I mean, who's, who's going to score easily against the Spartans? Nobody. So that's, those are, I guess my three biggest X factors to kind of go along with yours with bracket Watts. It's Watts, Henry and Lankford. Okay. 
that was a good discussion about some Michigan State basketball. We'll definitely talk about them next week. They play Virginia. Big which game. Is be an interesting test. Hauser uh, brothers. Yep. Virginia hasn't looked very good. I mean, they lost to San Francisco, but I mean, they, they had some trouble. Yeah, yeah. They, it's, it's that's like the problem with Tony Bennett teams. Like, yeah, and they had some awesome ones for about three to four years because. Like, as good as their defense was, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, and DeAndre Hunter, and just, like, the variety of role players they had, they were awesome on the offensive end of the floor. Like, they might not score a ton, but they were super efficient. But this year, I, I, they're still trying to find that. I think they will. They have good guard play. So, it should be an interesting game in Charlottesville on Wednesday. They'll be uh, probably – I don't know if Virginia will still be ranked, but it will probably be another resume-building game for Michigan State if they go on a road and win that game. So – We'll definitely talk about that next week on the show, but since it's Sunday night, we usually do the pick on the end of the show. And, and, and we're not hearing a lot about it, a lot with Hank right now. We got to get Hank back in the midst. As I, I, we're going to discuss and kind of recap the NFL day this Sunday. I mean, what's going on with your Vikings, Hank? I, I can't get a grasp on what's going on in their game. They just play wild football games. Uh, I was riding pretty high on them for that, that, that beautiful stretch there they had. Where I was thinking playoff the whole way, but uh, yeah, it's not looking good the last three games. I think it was Dallas. Um, lose to Dallas, yeah. lose to Dallas, and then come back one against Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, beat the Panthers. Charlotte. Yeah, Carolina. My bad. Carolina. Yeah, and then squeak one out today. Definitely not what you expected when you looked at like one of the easiest stretches of games in the NFL. But yeah, I don't not know. great. I don't know. Numerically I, I, speaking, they're not they're not out of the equation. So I guess numerically speaking, they're very in the equation because the NFC wildcard is basically just opened up as Arizona's kind of come back to the pack. And I think Seattle. Like, and yeah. Seattle. And Seattle. But, I, but you got to consider their, their, I don't have their schedule pulled up, but they play Tampa and the Saints, I believe. And the uh, Lions. There the Daryl Bevel Lions. The Patricia List Lions. Yeah. So it's a whole new, uh, <laughs> it's a whole new prospect now. Okay, so let's talk about the Lions. I just need to get Haynes voice in the midst there. We'll bring him back in, talk a little fantasy football at the very end of the show. But I, the Lions, I mean, Stafford, this was so Stafford. It's just like, it, it literally, like, this is epitome of what everything Matthew Stafford has been for the Detroit Lions the last 13 years. This is things that he does, like, on a very regular basis against bad teams, bad to mediocre teams. Like, they do this very often. And he'll do it against a very good team every once in a while. But when thin, like at the point of the game, once they went and scored before the two-minute warning, I at the back of my mind, I was like, they're going to win this football game. And then Romeo Okora makes a fantastic play and crosses a strip sack and it's Mitchell Trubisky, and they just kind of punch it in there, and it was over. Um, I mean, it's a good win for the Lions. Me and Trent were talking about this before the show. Like – the Lions are in a weird spot because, I mean, they are one game back of the playoffs. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I just I, – I don't think this defense can withstand any, like, sort of run defense or, I mean, run offense or anything. I mean, David Montgomery looked like Matt Fortain is prime today. Like, yep. uh, it just didn't look good. So, I, I don't think this is sustainable. But it was kind of nice for someone who's been riding on Patricia the last two years – to see someone else at the helm and Daryl Bevel and they get the job done. And that's what me and Trent were kind of celebrating before, because I know there's people who say, I want the Lions to lose out, get a better draft pick. If you really look at the top of the draft order and what the Lions really need and what you're thinking, they're not going to be able to go get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. So whatever like draft pick they get like in the seven to like 11 range, you're probably going to get like some sort of like the guy you want. I like, if you're expecting them to go full tank, I just don't think they're going to do it. So no. I, I, you, might, you, might as well just, you might as well just accept it and just go, hey, I guess I'll root for them. If they lose, it's whatever. It's a win-win yeah, situation. Not, they're not going to go full tank. You're exactly right. And another big reason for that, I think, is you don't have a friggin' general manager. Like, you don't know what you're going to really do. You know, like, yeah. if you look at the draft, you look ahead to it, you're exactly right, Collins. For one, it's not that deep. For two, you don't even know what kind – a position you're going to be drafting for whatever like there's there's no clue we have no idea what this Lions roster is going to look like uh in 2021 but Colin something that you brought up that obviously we talked about before the show but I, I just want to harp on because people need to understand the importance of this like, like these players are all auditioning for 2021 like this is not this is a new regime now Patricia and Quinn are not going to be in town guys on this defense like Jared Davis 
and Jelani Tavai and Deron Harmon and Tracy Walker. And, and, and even like Everson Griffin is another guy who I'd maybe like to bring back. Like all these guys are, are auditioning for next season. And, and because you don't, no one's tied, even Stafford, no one is tied to these guys coming in. That's number one. Number two, it absolutely was fantastic to watch this team basically spit in Matt Patricia's face by winning the, by winning. And it wasn't even just winning the first game without him. It was the fashion in which they won the game. The defense creates a turnover in an extremely tight spot to basically seal the deal for you. Adrian Peterson, who was horrible under Patricia's tutelage, kind of won you the game at the end there, like metaphorically, whatever. And it didn't take a vintage, you know, drive from Stafford. Stafford threw a bad interception with seven minutes left in the game. And it kind of felt like a, right. I I texted you Collins and, and Rabinowitz in the Motown rundown group chat, like, that was just the most Stafford-esque thing I've ever seen. Store a lot that's of those interceptions. No, you store a lot of those this year. Yeah, that, that's not a knock on him, but this year in his whole career, really, and I hate to say that because he he is clutch, but it's kind of like it's just when the tide's starting to turn. You know, like he did that against the Colts, and it's just like, dude, and, and it, whatever. But that's that. I was extremely impressed with the way a lot of guys played. I thought Jamie Collins played great today, um, or Sunday, I should say. Is this, You know, people are going to hear this on Monday. But it's – uh. It was encouraging. How can it not be if you're a Lions fan? And you're, Collins, you're exactly right. One game back from the playoffs, people like myself are going to just roll until the wheels fall oh, off. I'm no, not making no. the case. I'm not going to make the case, but I'm, I'm, of course I'm going to ride till the wheels fall off. I root for the team to win every Sunday. So I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and wave the flag and, and sing the fight song. But, of course, I'm, I'm going I'm, to I'm, – I'm excited for the win. Not to mention it was against the Bears, who are a division rival, who we hate. And you also have to remember, too, like, the Bears stink. So, again, you don't want to oversell the win. But just seeing how excited the players were for Daryl Bevel after the game, it speaks volumes not only about him but more about Matt Patricia, the antithesis of anything remotely good at the coaching level in the NFL. So that, to me, was the – and obviously that is the big story. People are going to get their analysis and all the Patricia stuff, you know, from other places. But from right here, I just, I guess the, the, the thing that I really want to drive home is the reason these last five, now four games are going to be so exciting to watch is because all of these players feel the pressure that, you know, if they want to be in Detroit next year, they're going to have to show up over the, over this last four game stretch. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And uh, it's going to be interesting until they like hire a GM, like it, 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 once they hire a GM, it's going to get really interesting because there's going to be few, like, decisions made, like, immediately. Like, you're going to keep Bevel, which I don't think they will. You're going to keep Stafford, or you're going to tear this completely down. So, that that will be interesting. We'll keep a note on that. But one thing I want to mention, we usually do Hank's Fantasy Football Corner slash Help Fantasy Hank with his fantasy team. And, and, and we said we're going to do an investigation on the Impact Fantasy League. We're going to do that once we get back in person because it's got to be lively and, and, yeah. and Zoom. We, it's just when we conversate, sometimes it just kind of gets lost. But Hank, how'd you do this week in fantasy? I'm shaking my head because it was uh, just not, I mean, I had some guys put up numbers. I'm Justin, Justin Jefferson, both leagues, who's pretty electric, you know, anyway, yeah, Sunday. but uh, other than that, it's just, uh, it's not looking good for the old boys and neither, neither uh, league. So I think, I think my, uh, my hopes of making the playoffs are dashed at this point. That's but sad. I, sad. I, want, I wanted to bring that up because there's people who started their playoffs this week. My lead starts their playoffs next week. And the thing I, I kind of want to talk about is fantasy football. This is like kind of weird. It's not even like talking about like players or anything that's going on. Fantasy football for like us growing up, we played it like ever since we were like 11. And, 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 and like, I think people are like, oh, fantasy football is played out when you're like a 40 year old and stuff like that. I like, I don't know if that's ever going to happen for like, guys like us in our demographic where we basically came up with it and just be like, Oh, we'll just always do it. Even though it's extremely frustrating. I feel like I'm always a play fantasy football, but I gotta say yeah. one thing, Frank Gore getting hurt on the second place scrimmage, not good for the purple sharks. We'll see if they can recover tomorrow on Monday. You're the Juju purple Smith. sharks. That is my team name. The purple. That's sharks. awesome. I love Pur- that. Purple sharks for life. That's what my player Zane Gonzalez, the kicker for the Arizona Cardinals is a purple shark for life. All right. Well, I, I'm the hen dogs. I, I did very well this week because I have 
you know, Stafford and Peterson and Marvin Jones. And of Hockey. course you do. So I, I just go as the Lions go. Not a great season for me in a macro sense. I'm two and ten, about to be three and ten. But you know, I <laughs> go as the Lions go. I'm two and ten. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna win by fifty this week, so that's always yeah. fun. I guess. Well, hey. Hey, Purple I want to ask you guys, but before we end the show, I want to ask you guys to kind of bring up the lines again. What camp are you in, in in the Matt Stafford debate? Do you move on or do you clear house or do you, do you roll with them for a couple okay. more years? Well, we, me and Trent have had this debate maybe 7 million times in the past. I was going to say, if, if three you years really want to open that can of worms, I mean, we, we, <laughs> we, we, we might do a 30-minute segment yeah. next week on it. So, Well, we'll what's it called? I, I think we should save that because I, I once, once the GM is hired and once they actually make a decision on him, we can talk about that, but I, but Trent's in the keep them, and I don't really care. Either way, I'm fine. Even though I love Matthew Stafford, best quarterback in franchise history, doesn't really mean anything in your franchise. Doesn't want anything. So it, it's a <laughs> so like like yeah, your best quarterback we ever had. No one else because no one else has been good. So I don't know. Whatever. Wait, wait, wait. Should we do? Should we do the picks for like Monday Night Football just real quick? Be kind of yeah. Fun. I guess. Hey, okay. It, we, we can stall for a sec. We'll let Hank pull up the line. There's a game Tuesday as well. The, the Ravens. There's two right. Monday night games and there's one game on Tuesday. So let's, let's pick all three. If we can, if we can get the lines up real quick. I don't Wait, don't wait, even... wait, a, may, like you think Hank's prepared for this. We literally told him we're not doing a pick on. Hey, Hey, Hank's producer of the year. I, he, I, I got faith in Hank. Well, it's funny. I had him pulled up, but the site I was using didn't have the lines on him. So I got to switch over real quick. That's okay. We'll, we'll keep talking. Um, also, for the Sparty Awards next yeah, week. Yeah, we'll yeah we'll keep talking. We should we should do yeah we can't have dead we can't have dead airtime. Yeah, we'll keep talking. We yeah, need, I hope. I think we need to do the top four Christmas movies next week. That's just my. I think that the conversation kind of did that. This be, <laughs> I think it would be a pretty good list from both you guys. Okay. I, I really do. Some we'll sleepers see. maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, I mean, I don't know when we're gonna deal. Oh, uh, Hank, you got him? Uh, yeah, I got him right here, but I don't know why they're not sure. Oh, here's the line. Okay, yeah, I got him. So we'll do okay. <laughs> Here we this go. This is awesome. Yeah, we love it. Good man. radio uh, right here. <laughs> so tomorrow night, first game at 5 o'clock. Uh, we got the, the Washington football team traveling to play the 11-0 Steelers with the Steelers favorite at, get this, minus 6.5 only. Yeah, I, I, easy, easy pick. It's got to be the Steelers. I know everyone's kind of – I've seen the memes. No one's really high on them as far as, like, being a Super Bowl contender. But the Washington football team's not that good. The Giants won today. That was a big win for them, right? Did they win? Uh, so. Yes, they did. In the NFC East. So, yeah, big win. I mean, that, that race is just tightening up, man. So, who knows? Maybe the Washington football team will sense some urgency and at least make it close. But I think the Steelers will kind of shut everyone up and be like, all right, guys, chill out. We are a really good team. And I think they'll probably win big. I think this is a weird spot for the Steelers after all that happened last week with the Ravens game. And, and Washington's had a lot of like a lot of time to prepare for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and I think there's a reason that lines at six and a half just from a preparation standpoint. I, I think Washington's gonna cover. I think this is gonna be a close football game. All right, right after that, 815, we got the Bills traveling to play the Niners, and this is a pick'em. Bills, Ooh. let's go Buffalo. Yeah, Big give me the Bills, Bills guy over here. Josh Allen has a great game. Bills win. Bills roll. 49ers still so banged up, by the way. Robert Sala doing a fantastic the, – the future coach of your Detroit, your Detroit Lions doing a fantastic job with that defense over in San Francisco. Um, but it's just – it's going gonna, it's gonna to be too much. The injuries are going to be too much in this one. You're playing a good team. I don't know. I feel like Buffalo doesn't cover against anyone who's like remotely good. So give me San Francisco. Like they don't. They don't guys... beat good teams. They just don't beat good teams. True. Isn't yeah. it a pick'em though? It is a pick'em. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, so you... okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, San okay. Francisco. All right. All right, and then you guys love Tuesday night football, right? So we got love that. Yeah, Cowboys and Ravens eight eight oh five with the Cowboys traveling to to Baltimore. Line set at eight and a half in favor of the Ravens. Uh, give me the Cowboys. I, I think the Ravens are sort of broken right now. I don't know what it is. But, I mean, uh, if Lamar's back, they'll definitely be better on the offensive side of the football. That was the dumbest thing I've ever said. Obviously, they'll be better if they have their starting quarterback. That was like, <laughs> I, I can't believe I just said that on live radio. We get it, though. We get it. We get yeah, the- but, like, I mean, I don't know. I just – the Cowboys stink. And, like, they, they've kind of shown some – 
like they kind of showed some fight against Minnesota, and then on Thanksgiving they kind of laid down. So I, I I don't know where their effort is at this point, and I think Baltimore is actually be motivated to play this football game. So give me Baltimore. I am head over heels in love with the chaos in the NFC East, and the only way that's going to keep getting better is if these teams just keep winning every week. And you know, week seventeen, we're we're down to like okay. Who's going to get to six and 10 and win the division. So I like the Cowboys. I like the Cowboys. I like Mike McCarthy getting the guys fired up for a big game against, you know, Johnny Harbaugh. And I really like Ezekiel Elliott to roll in this one, but a lot of chatter about Zeke, but I think he'll play well against that Ravens front seven. We'll see. Give me the Cowboys. At least cover. I don't know about win, but cover. Okay. That was a good episode. Good. Good on the fly. Yeah. Hank Hank. Booster of the year. Producer of the year, Hank. Uh, next week, uh, I think we'll probably stick with another Monday episode of the Green and White Report. Maybe we go two hours next week because we're going to have a lot to talk about with Mission State Basketball, Mission State Football, and some NFL stuff. So maybe we'll do that next week. But for Ryan Collins, Trent Bailey, Henry Menegos, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that. We're there. Follow us on our website, impact89fm.org. We got some really good written stuff from the sports department and music and everything. We got everything on there. So check that check out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Like Trent was just on the heavy metal Georgia's metal podcast. What we'll, we'll give that a shout? Yeah, the metal pod. Shout out to the metal pod. I was on metal there talking pod. about hair metal and Motley Crue. It was a fantastic time. Those guys know what they're doing. They yeah, do that's what I'm saying. We got everything. Good show. We got sports. We got metal. We got everything. So keep tuning in to Impact. We'll see you guys next week. Hope everyone has a nice Monday. You have been listening to The Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org slash sports.